Hey everybody out there in the podcast world, this is December 26, 2021, and that means this is the last Sunday of the year. And so we're going to kick it off this Sunday with a message entitled, Fully Awake to the Messiah. It's from our series entitled, Behold, Taking Hold of What Christmas Really Is. May God bless you, Jill. We've been in a series called Behold, and it's been our hope that you will behold Jesus uh, not just the reason for the season, but the reason for all of life. And today, if, uh, if you are human, then you have probably had a time in your life where you've had some trouble falling asleep, where you've laid in bed well past midnight, and you are like wide awake. Have you had any times like that in your life? Yeah, all of us, yeah. And maybe you had coffee too late in the day. And the older you get, you realize you can drink less of that at night. I used to be able to pound down Coke or coffee at night and no problem sleeping at night. But now there's something wrong somewhere. Or maybe you just have something on your mind that you just can't stop obsessing about into the wee hours of the morning. And you are wide awake. So... I don't know what happens. Maybe the dopamine or adrenaline or serotonin levels in your brain get engaged and they get all fired up and you just can't sleep. Why couldn't this have happened during the day when you needed it to be able to accomplish some tasks in your life? But now you're wanting to sleep, needing to sleep, wishing you could sleep. And you wish it would just wear off because you're wide awake. We all have those times. But if you're human, I'm sure you've also had the opposite happen to you, perhaps more often than the other. When you're about an hour away from bedtime and you just can't help keeping your eyes shut. You want to stay awake. You know you need to stay awake, but you just can't. You're just nodding off. You probably should go to bed, but you don't want to just yet. But wakefulness also has another context. We use it in terms of things like we, I was totally awake for this or that or the other thing experience. How awake are you, in other words, in, in life in general? Are you conscious of everything that goes on in your day-to-day life? Or do you get to the end of a year and you say to yourself, what happened to that year? What happened to all that time? You blink and it seems like a whole year has gone by. This last year seems like that, doesn't it? Today we look at a man and a woman, not related, who are wide awake their whole life. They were waiting for something, actually someone. And their reaction to what happened that first Christmas is absolutely incredible. So step back with me in time to about 2,000 years ago, travel across the North Atlantic and step foot in the city of Jerusalem. You're in the ancient land of the Jews, Unfortunately, this land is occupied by the Romans. And it's been so for about the last 500 years. You're in the city of God, the, the, the Jerusalem, the, the Zion, the Mount Zion of God. And you're walking up the steps through one of the gates, these big gates, and a massive stone wall around the temple of Yahweh. Built by Herod, but it's the Jews' temple. Through the gate, you come to a shaded area called Solomon's Portico. And you, you step into this huge courtyard, massive courtyard called the Court of the Gentiles. Because 
being a Gentile, too, this is about as far as you will be able to go. A Gentile meaning a non-Jewish person. It's a huge public area, but you can't go any deeper into the temple if you are not a Jew. But as you lean against one of the massive stone pillars of the portico, you see an old man and an old lady moving slowly up the steps that you've just climbed. Though they're a bit slow due to age, they are both very alert in the moment, and you'll soon find out why. As they reach the top, they greet each other. And this is when you learn their names. Their names are Simeon and Anna. They're not married, but they see each other just about every day. It's not known whether Simeon was a Levite or just a very, very devout man. Anna, she's a widow. She's of the tribe of Asher, and she's very old now. Ever since her husband died, she has committed herself to worship and prayer and fasting in the temple courts. And she's very old now. These two come to the temple every day. In fact, they come early and they leave very late. In fact, there are most days, there are some days where they don't even leave the temple. They just kind of fall asleep, kneeling in prayer, either at some of the steps or around a pillar. They just nod off, and they're there in the morning. They're both very full of the Spirit of God, and both of them are waiting for the day that Messiah will come. In fact, the Lord had promised Simeon that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. And passing by you, Simeon bends to the side as they're walking, and he whispers to Anna, today might be the day. A little couple steps further, Anna, today might be the day. With a smile on their face, they continue walking. They shuffle ahead toward the gate called Beautiful. Yes, there's a gate in the temple called Beautiful. These steps are very busy. Very busy every single day. In fact, a lot of beggars come and they will camp out there every day and they will make their cries, alms, alms for the poor. Bible students are always there too. They're always scurrying past everyone on the steps uh, because even though they don't seem to see them, they, they rush past them because they're busy cramming for the next test in the Torah. They're rabbis. They're very demanding of them. Following close behind you, watch Simeon and Anna climb the crowded steps and you can hear the mumbling kind of tune your ear a bit no wait they're they're not mumbling they're actually praying and the praying it almost sounds like singing you listen harder if you can once through the gate they enter the court of the women this is the first jewish courtyard in the temple proper and then you hear it. In the court of the women, the Levitical priests are on the semicircular steps about 50 paces ahead of you. And, and they're, they're leading up, these steps lead up to the Nicanor Gate. And like every morning, these priests are out there and they are singing the 15 Psalms of Ascent from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. Every morning they sing these songs as people come for worship. Now you can hear what Simeon and Anna were mumble singing. They're quietly singing along with the priests as they sing. Now it takes Simeon and Anna a bit, but they finally reach those steps to the Nicanor Gate. But Anna, she stays in this part of the temple courts. 
Even though she was a prophetess, this was as far as she could go. So with a nod and a smile, Simeon leaves her behind, and he begins to move up the set of stairs to the gates to the court of the priests and the court of the Israelites. But as he crosses the threshold of the gate, Simeon feels something. He feels something inside him tremble. He's felt this before, a long time ago, but never this pronounced. He recognized it as the beckoning of the Holy Spirit of God within him. And so he turns around, he looks back at Anna, and he, he's, he's looking to see what it could possibly be. But as he catches a glimpse of her, she's spinning around, looking all throughout the courtyard. Obviously something had gotten her attention too, some unknown force. And finally she sees them. She sees this man and this woman coming up through the gates called Beautiful. And they're, they're holding a, a little baby in their arms. And he is carrying two small doves. They're moving intently toward the court of the priests to offer their sacrifices required by the law of Moses. And as, and as Anna turns to get Simeon's attention, to kind of point him in the direction, she doesn't see him anymore. Although she just catches a glimpse of him, he is running down the stairs past her towards this couple. And, and she sees him and she begins to walk slowly because she's very old. But then he, he gets toward her. He gets towards his family. And like a proud old grandpa, with his arms outstretched, he walks up to them. And he, without even asking, Simeon takes this little baby in his arms from his mother. And he embraces him like he's never going to let him go. And, and in what he thought was a whisper, he's actually shouting out these amazing praises, which drown out the priests all behind him on the steps. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And before he knew it, defying her age, Anna has her arms around him and she's trying to touch this baby. She finally puts her hand on his forehead and she begins to prophesy over him and to bless him. And her words, though she thought it was a whisper, she's actually saying it out loud too. Wake up and behold, O Israel, behold your king. Your redemption is now among you. Here is Christ the Lord. And in no time, all the women perk up because they know Anna. And they come scurrying around her to see this new baby that is being held by Simeon. He's their newborn king. Now, we don't know how long that moment was or how long it took before Mary and Joseph could offer their sacrifices, but this was the most awake you or anyone in the temple has been for a long time. But now, 2,000 years have passed. 2,000 years have passed since that climactic moment in the temple. Time does fade the impact of such moments, doesn't it? Absence doesn't always make the heart grow fonder. Sometimes it makes the heart grow forgetful. It's hard to feel what Simeon and Anna felt that day when it happened so 
long ago, and especially when we weren't there. Probably as close as we can get to that feeling is when we were kids. You remember when you were a kid and you would be asleep and you would wake up from Christmas Eve in the morning on Christmas Day and you would go into your parents' bedroom to wake them because something had happened. You were filled with anticipation. You wake up earlier than normal, of course. You rush into your parents' bedroom and you begin to shake them awake and you beg them, it's here, Christmas is here, Mom and Dad, wake up! Probably about the best you can experience from that moment. Man, if you've ever felt that kind of anticipation of dreaming come true and, and just getting to what, you're just probably getting to what Simeon and Anna experienced that day when the Holy Spirit said, behold, he's here. Can you imagine that moment? Behold, the time has come. That's why I'm grateful for Christmas for this whole Christmas season. I know it's not the day Jesus uh, was actually born. It's probably sometime in September. And I know that there weren't evergreen trees and mistletoe in that first Christmas, but that's not the point. I still think God ordained for Christmas to be celebrated this time of year, every year at the end of the year. If you think about it, it kind of resembles the climate of that first Christmas. That it occurred in. Israel had been living a long time, struggling day after day after day. Years went by, actually, when forces and governments oppressed them and kept them from living in hope. Instead, they were living in hopelessness and fear. And then, while the world was still sleeping, as the scripture says, in the fullness of time, Messiah came. In Galatians chapter 4, we read that. It says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might be adopted sons of God. And because you are now His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father to wake us up to the reality that we are no longer slaves to the world, but now we are God's children. And since we are his children, God has made us also an heir of everything Christ is heir to. Isn't that an amazing thought? Now is the time. The time has come. Now we are a whole month in December, we are spending trying to wake up to Messiah, if you will. From the start of Advent, lighting that first Advent candle till Christmas Eve. But now, today is Boxing Day. Today is traditionally the day that we box up everything and put Christmas away and get ready for the new year. Some people do it by waiting early in lineups at the store. You good holy people are here worshiping the Lord Jesus on this day, giving him glory. But you know what? I believe Christmas is what it is and when it is so that you and I can wake up to the new reality and the new identity that Jesus has established for us by his coming to be like us. We call it the incarnation. It's a 50-cent theological word, but in it is packed wisdom and knowledge that far outpaces our capacity to be able to understand. Christ 
is with us. God with us. And I believe that when we wake up to that new reality and that new identity, it will change how we live the next year. That's why I think Christmas is at this time of year, is to wake us up so that we will be prepared for a new year of challenges and frustrations and fears. And I think that's how it should be. I think God designed our calendar and our holy days so that after we've been asleep for a whole year, we would behold the Messiah, the, the point of everything. I think, think about it, the, the start of the new year, full of anticipation, full of high hopes, full of new opportunities, new dreams. It's made possible because of Jesus. The world will try to fabricate all their own new opportunities and new dreams and new possibilities. But ours have already been created for us in Christ Jesus, amen? And everything starts out good in the new year, but somewhere along the line, somewhere around February, when we're in the deep freeze here in Saskatchewan, not all places in the world, but we are so filled with busyness, with new challenges, with the stuff of life that it just begins to wear us down. We begin to get weary. And no matter how hard we try to keep our eyes open, we begin to want to go to sleep. And it's then because of Easter. Believing that the death and the resurrection of Jesus has come along again, it wakes us up for a short period of time. And we realize we have hope and eternal life in Christ, and we're awake again. But soon after Easter, life happens again. And it happens again. And our calendars are filled with busyness and challenges and the stuff of life. And that all begins to wear us down again. And then in time, we fall asleep again. But then we have summer. And here in Canada, we wake up in summer a little bit. We get all excited. And then fall happens. And what happens in the fall? We get back to our busy schedules. We get back to our challenges, to the stuff of life. And we begin to get worn down again. We begin to fall asleep to the things that are most important to us. And it's like that for the next couple of months until Advent starts. And we begin to anticipate Christmas. And once again, we're raised out of our slumber and we begin to wake up again to the most important thing in our lives, that is Jesus. And the reason he came. And this good news brings us great joy And we begin to put back into perspective all that our lives should be. And somehow, it's still in the mix of all the busyness and the challenges and the stuff of life as in any other time in the calendar year. But now it's different. Somehow, for a whole month long, the light of Christ in Christmas shines through and keeps our attention. And we behold His glory glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Somehow he keeps our attention. We are awakened to the new reality, the new identity that Christ has made possible by that first coming. That in the fullness of time, God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might be adopted sons of God. We are the redeemed friends. We are the children of the Most High God. May we catch that 
May he catch our full attention like he did for Anna and Simeon there in the Gospels. And as we anticipate the start of a new year, let's start awake. Let's start fully alive in Christ, beholding his glory so that we would be able to start and finish next year well, not in fear and busyness and failed opportunities. For our eyes have seen his salvation this Christmas, which God has prepared in the sight of all nations as a light of revelation to the Gentiles, that's us, and the glory of his people, Israel. Folks, let's start our new year wide awake because we have beheld his glory. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for Anna and Simeon. It seems like a very obscure part to be in this story of Christmas. But we know that nothing in your word is there by accident or by default. It is there because you put it there for us to glean not just truth, but life-changing reality. Lord, may we understand what the incarnation is all about. And may we take that into the new year and live it full on, especially when the busyness and and the opportunities and, and the craziness of life impacts us. Let us remember that through Christmas, we were able to manage it and be able to still behold and give glory to Christ. May we do that all year next year. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Amen.